Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Memphis Hardwood. We are in the midst of the season. It is happening. The Grizzlies are playing, and sadly, they are losing. In fact, that's all they've been doing. But maybe Marvin Stockwell and I can find some wins in the liner notes here. Marvin, welcome in to Memphis Hardwood. How you doing? I'm doing well. I mean, my I wouldn't even say that my Grizzlies flag is flying any. It's still still at full mass. It's you know billowing in the wind of 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 my fandom. But right, uh, right. but you know, it's it's it's. I'm not. I guess you'd have to sort me in the whole like I'm not worried yet, right? Like it's okay. like. I mean, are there some critiques? Should we've been, you know, I we can all that, but like just general enthusiasm, I'm, my my bulb is undimmed. Okay, all right, okay. Well, that is what I would expect from Marvin Stockwell, the one and only, the inimitable, <laughs> the hardwired optimist, and I yes. also am a hardwired optimist. I I will say I was lucky that this week I haven't been able to watch all of the games in their entirety as they're happening because. Being in the Eastern time zone, I don't get to start most games till eight and I'm, I'm teaching an 8am schedule. So I'm up at five 30 and I've got this baby anyway, yeah. TMI, but it's been hard for me to watch the games live. And that's actually been probably good in a way, because if I was watching the games live, I probably would have tweeted some things that I would have later regretted. <laughs> like <laughs> the Grizzlies <laughs> suck. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to, but they that. don't, I know, I mean, but honestly, they do, but they don't. I mean, they suck. I mean, I mean, this this version of the Grizzlies sucks. And the good news is this is yeah. not the version of the Grizzlies that's going to play for the rest of the year. Exactly. So, We'd be in deep trouble if it were. 100%. I mean, we would be, we would go, you know, 12 and 70. <laughs> I we'd mean, be that's... seller dwellers. If this was the squad, we'd be yeah, seller dwellers. We'd right. be in the lottery for sure. And, and I mean, I, and I just, I think that it's worth mentioning that. And this is, I mean, this is what Chris Harrington wrote. And and by the way, when I first started this podcast, I wanted to just have an outlet for all the stuff I was reading about the Grizzlies. So right. you're not going to get a lot of breaking news here, right? On Memphis Hardwood, but you are going to get some analysis, right? Probably stuff you won't get in other places. Sure. What, I, what I like about what, um, you know, Chris Harrington wrote here, he says, it's not just that the Grizzlies are currently taking the court without five players who would be in their full strength 10 man rotation. It's that they're doing so without what would at minimum be five of their eight best offensive players, including their best offensive player on a team that was set up to be better on defense anyway. So I think that that's really insightful, right? The, the Marvin, mm. here's the problem. I'm sitting here watching the Grizzlies. My wife, who tires of me talking about the Grizzlies, anything having to do with the Grizzlies, I get 15 to 25 seconds on a good night. I'm sitting here on and the that couch. that was before and- the baby came. So you <laughs> got even less time. The- Dude, you're absolutely right. You got a much shorter shot clock, air So quotes. I'm sitting here, but she understands this, and this fits within <laughs> my allotted time frame. I said, <laughs> the Grizzlies are having a hard time putting the little round ball in the little orange hoop. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, that's just fundamentally what it comes down to. And unfortunately, yeah. Marv, in this game, they call basketball. You have to put the little round ball through mm-hmm. the little round hoop. That's a big yeah. part of it. It's a huge part. The Grizzlies have not scored more than 110 points since they started the season. They scored 110 on their last outing against a Dallas team that is an absolute sieve defensively. They are not meant to be good defensively, right? Mm-hmm. 
The problem mm. was, of course, Dallas scored 125 points, which they want to do when you have one of the most gifted scorers, certainly in this generation, certainly mm. amid mm. other NBA players in this moment. And maybe historically, Luka Doncic yeah. may be one of the most gifted offensive players of all time. He's essentially unguardable. Doc Holliday was on Twitter, you know, the um, mm. local mm-hmm. uh, sure, sure. talking about Luka, Luka Doncic is, is unguardable. That's probably true. So it's hard, right, to stop a guy like that, even if you've got a guy like Marcus Smart. Of course, Marcus Smart did an amazing job, but Marv, I'm burying the lead. The Grizzlies scored 104 against New Orleans, 104 against Denver, 106 against Washington, and 110 against Dallas. It is hard to win in the league if you can't score yeah. more points than that. Yeah. And yeah. so I just think fundamentally it is what Harrington diagnosed, which is – we don't have guys who can put the freaking ball in the hoop. Mm-hmm. We're struggling with that. Now, yeah. what's what's the good news right now? The good news is Jaron Jackson Jr. is shooting 41.2% from three-point range. He scored 30 points against the Dallas Mavericks the other night. Mm-hmm. Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. is playing well. He appears to be having more confidence inside the restricted area with his face-up game. In other words, he can just rise right up over guys and score the ball without fouling. And I'll tell you what, I watched him in FIBA, which we talked about on the podcast here. I watched him start practicing that face-up game when he was playing overseas, and it is clear that he's more comfortable doing that. That's fantastic. 100%, yeah. So his two-point game right inside the arc is... Is decent now. He's he's shooting forty nine percent from two, which is good. I mean, he needs to be at about fifty percent. He's shooting forty one percent from three, and he's taking four of them a game. So he's basically making almost two three point shots per game. That's great. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is bound to play at an all star level again this season. He's shooting eighty six percent from the free throw line. That's excellent. He's averaging eighteen point eight points per night, but he had a couple of games where he struggled. He didn't score the ball quite as well as he could have. That first game against New Orleans, eight points, 16 points against Washington, right? He had 21 against Denver, 30 against Dallas. I think that this is going to be a good offensive season from Jaron Jackson Jr. So big picture, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm stoked about that. I'm excited yeah. about that, right? Yeah. The other thing that's good, your friend and mine, Desmond Bain, I have predicted that he will have an all-star season this year. And boy, howdy, is he on his way to doing that? Yeah, for sure. Averaging for 26 sure. points per game. He's shooting 35% from three, but that's because one of the games that he had, he was, what was it, one for nine uh, from three? He was so pretty abysmal. So he had one bet, but he's going to be a lot better, right? I mean, that was the outlier that's bringing his average down. I'm going to pull up this game here. Um, yeah, his three point percentage against Denver, right? It was, I think he was one of 10. From three, right? Mm-hmm. He had 15 points against Denver. Now, those are the former champs. So they knew how to key in on him. They knew he was going to be the guy. They knew Desmond Bain was the guy to stop. And when you're the champs, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. do that. You put Aaron yeah. Gordon on him, right? You put even Michael Porter Jr.'s got length to bother Desmond Bain because he's freaking 6'10. Yeah. Um, and Jamal Murray's a good defender, right? So you know, so they dialed in. Otherwise, Marv, 31 points against New Orleans, 26 points against Washington, 30 points against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Desmond Bain is clicking. He had five assists against New Orleans, five assists against Washington, three assists and six rebounds against Dallas. So, again, on the offensive side of things, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. 
are doing great. <laughs> They're playing well. Yeah. And I think one more encouraging piece of this, because this is the Grizzlies positivity train. I mean, there's plenty, right, that yeah. we can sort of point to, right, that's not going well. You know who else is playing great? You know who it is. You know who I'm going to say. You know who else is playing great? Who's that? Marcus Smart. Oh, yeah. He's been freaking awesome. Yeah. 23 points against Dallas. 50% from three. 20 mm-hmm. points against Denver. 43% from three. 17 points against New Orleans. Only shot 33.3% from three, but still very, very good. Marcus Smart has been, I think, uh, you know, Matt Hurdlicka. I think he's been as build, but that's what I was going to say. Matt Hurdlicka has said he's been as build, but I think he's been better. You got to remember, over the course of his career, Marcus Smart has averaged 11 points per game. This year, he's averaging 17 points. Interesting. So he is having a better offensive season. His two-point field goal percentage, 71%. His three-point percentage, 39% on seven attempts per game. Mm, mm, yeah. That, that is much, much better um, in terms of his overall shooting mm-hmm. than he's been historically. Now, is it's, it's a small sample size. He's shooting 67% from the free throw line, which suggests, you know, in terms of his shooting ability, right, he may not be as gifted as a talented shooter. So this small sample size, maybe he's outperforming, but the truth is he's performing at a level that the Grizzlies need him to perform right now. His effective field goal, field goal percentage of 64% is amazing. So the the big picture, what I'm trying to say offensively, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the three guys that you need to be playing well right now to make a, to, to make a fairly positive projection going into the future, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart, they're playing well, Marv. Yeah. Yeah. You add a fourth guy to that, a guy named John Morant, and you put a real center out there, or at least get some more length on the floor when Jaron sits. Because mm-hmm. I, as Harrington pointed out, Xavier Tillman Sr. is probably going to stay as your starting center. But the problem is when Jaron Jackson Jr. goes to the bench, even if Xavier Tillman is out there, you have no link. So the Grizzlies will sign Bismack Biombo on Friday, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. will join the Grizzlies, as has been widely reported, and he will help solve yeah. that problem. So you don't get Steven Adams back, but Marv, you got your three most potent offensive players. You add the best offensive player back, in, in not only on the Grizzlies, but maybe one of the top five most talented offensive players in the league in mm-hmm. game 25, right? Yeah. And so you're going to be cooking with fire. So... So, I mean, what does that all mean? What what are we supposed to, how are we supposed to feel in the meantime, Marv? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we, like, how do we get up for the Grizzlies, right? Where Because I see a lot of people just counting down till the day John Morant gets back. Is that how we ought to be approaching this? Well, uh, no, that's, I mean, what's interesting is that I feel that, like, my hope lies in our future form, but my fan interest uh is in the present moment so i can what you just did you just you just counted up the positives and we probably need to take a look at the negative side of the ledger or what needs to be improved uh here in a second but like my i'm more i'm more at ease and not so worried because i know the 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 cavalry's coming you know Uh, i know reinforcements are on their way now, so then my uh, attention just turns to how do we make the best of things uh, while we wait for key players to come back? I'd say signing B- Bismarck Biombo is one of those ways. 
continuing to play better as a team is better. You know, Marcus Smart was, I mean, yes, let's all marvel at how he's, how he's playing maybe better than as build. But one of the stories I read, he's, he's like, I'm still learning the language of our system. So like, if that's right. true, if, right. in other words, if his, if his brand is vocal leader on the court, bringing maximum energy and inspiring maximum energy in the rest of the ranks. Right. Well, if he's, and I would argue that he's already doing a lot with what he has. If he fills out his knowledge set and is even that much more confident in what he can be vocal about, there's an additional improvement uh, and, 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 and benefit to what else can be wrung out of that value chain, you know? Right. So, and that's just one player, right? Like, so we're going to, we're going to get Santi back. We're going to get right. Luke Kennard back. All of these players. And it's not like we're losing in blowouts, you right. know? Right. Uh, so like if we're at this level, as depleted as we are, some of these soon to come back or recently signed right. uh, assets right. are about to be uh, affecting the equation. Right. Then that I have I have not only long term hope in when Jaw comes back, but I also have midterm hope that we're going to be somewhere between fair to midland to pretty good, okay. you know, even before that. Yeah. So like that says to me that like, okay, so uh if Jaw comes back to a a a a plus five hundred team, yeah, and I think he will. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll be plus, I think we'll be above 500 when Ja returns. Wow. Even starting 0, to, 0, 0, 0 and 4, I, I think these other players are going to come back and I think we're going to rally. Uh, but let, let, even if we're sub 500, uh, I really don't think so. But right. uh, but if we're 500 uh, or better, I, I just think the whole world changes when Ja comes back. And, and it's not just Ja as he existed before the big question mark for me and the big tantalizing thing is this is the super motivated jaw on a mission to, pr- to prove the doubters to, to prove to himself that he's a, that he's a new man, that he's spent his uh, sufficient time quote in the dark, retooling himself, working on himself, you know, uh, working on his game. Right. Uh, right. Right. I think that leads to all good places. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. What our ceiling is, is another matter. Sure. Uh, sure but sure. I think this year we will be very good and we will make the playoffs. We yeah. will be a dangerous team that I head into the playoffs thinking good things are going to happen. It's not going to be get into the playoffs by the, by the play-in. I think we will make it in legitimately. Uh, uh, but exactly what the seating is like, again, who knows? Yeah. 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 Who might we good dra- get? It's a long what, way what to go. Deal? It's, yeah, it's between, a long way to go. But my, here and there. Yeah. It, that's the reason my, my fandom's not dimmed is like, I, I'm not just in hopeful in what happens 25 games in I'm hopeful in the, in the reinforcements that are much more soon on their way. Yeah, for sure. The Grizzlies are saying all the right things amidst this adversity. Um, I really liked the article that drew Hill put out after um, the last loss the Grizzlies had to the Mavericks. Desmond Bain said, yeah, I mean, we're 0 and 4, but we have 78 games left. We might go 78 and 4. Who knows? Right. So Bain was, he was laughing about that. Right. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's true. Right. Adversity when you're in it, it always seems like a bad thing. Bain said, but once you get through it, you're better off in the long run. And so 
you can see Dez. Oh, I like that. Right. You can yeah. see Dez stepping up. And and I don't think that's just saying the right thing. That comes from somebody who has been through adversity and realizes over sure. the long run, hey, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what I really mm-hmm. liked, what I really liked was Marcus Smart's comments. Marcus Smart said, there's no better feeling than going into someone else's house and winning. We are desperate for one. We need one. And that's going to start on Wednesday night. That's tonight. I love that. <laughs> and I mean, I just... And this, and Marcus Smart said, I love every last bit of this challenge. I've been challenged my whole life growing up. I never ran into an obstacle that I could not overcome. And this is one of those things for me. For us, as competitive as we are, we need a challenge. This is only going to make us better. This is adversity. It's something that we're going to go through, and we're going to do it together because we need to go through it. Yeah, man. I mean, that to me, I just, I mean, you couldn't like script that any, like that is such authenticity. I mean, I think that's why, why we in Memphis will love Marcus Smart, right? Yeah. We love Marcus Smart because in Memphis, we know a little something about adversity. Yep. In Memphis, we know a little something about obstacles that you have no way around. You Mm -hmm. have to go through them. Mm -hmm. We know a little Mm -hmm. something about what it means to say, Yes, we are facing adversity, but you know what? We need this adversity. Yeah. Because when you have adversity, when you say something like, I need this adversity, it's because you know you are going to continue to face challenges and you need to be steeled to deal with those challenges. And if you grow up in Memphis, as we did, right? If you live in Mm -hmm. Memphis now, Mm -hmm. you need look no further than some of the things that continue to press upon the life of the city. Yep. To understand why Marcus Smart fits in so well. He and really know, does fit. Yeah. I know why. I know a lot of people, and you know, I'm trained as a historian. I'm a professional academic. I teach and write for a living. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm paid to be critical. So I get it. A lot of people say the link between basketball and the city of Memphis gets overplayed. Let's be clear. Is a this is a this is a child's game. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars to run around and put the little ball through the little hoop. There ain't Mm. nothing about that that resembles what it means to grow up in Orange Mound or to grow up in South Memphis or to grow up in Boxtown in poverty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So miss me with that. Oh, it's all blue collar, grit, grind, et cetera, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one thing. Aside from the fact that the Grizzlies have given the city hope, something to root for, something to feel positive about. Mm -hmm. during times when there hadn't been a lot going on. Aside from that, when you look at a profile of a player like Marcus Smart, when you look at a profile of a player like John Morant, when you look at a profile of a player like Desmond Bain, when you look at a profile of a player like Zach Randolph, you see Mm -hmm. in these guys' biographies a commitment to trying to do their best to be a little bit better every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether that means trying to jump a little higher, run a little faster, just improve my skills. I wasn't selected to be the guy who was going to come out of the draft. I wasn't recruited by major institutions. I was cast aside by teams. Whatever that looks like, people in Memphis who have faced those same kinds of challenges, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for them, they can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's even a, Derrick Rose coming back. You know, it's it's even Derrick Rose being written off. Oh, he doesn't have any player value. Hundred percent. And and listen, Derrick Rose has not been playing particularly well in terms of the plus minus on offs, right? 
But but the point is, he understands like all these players and like every single Memphian what it means to face adversity and have to go through it. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say that, oh, because the basketball team does well, Memphis is doing well. Absolutely not. But what I am saying is that we're all human beings. And when we mm-hmm. see this team facing adversity, 0-4, damn, sometimes it feels like Memphis is 0-4. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like Memphis is 0-12. Sometimes it mm-hmm. feels like Memphis is 0-82. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we haven't yeah, won no, a game sure. all damn season. We haven't won a game in years, right? I think people can look at this and you can see in these players, right, their ability to work through things. And I think that that resonates with Memphians. I think that's important, Marv. Yeah, I read this book uh, by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. And the central tenet of the book is like the obstacle is not really the thing that's 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 there to keep you from the objective. It's the thing that points to the problem that needs to be solved, uh, and so cool. like th- it becomes the pathway. I don't think it's an original thought to him, but he turned it into a book. And then it's a great concept to kind of just uh, take in and just at one gulp, because I, I found that's, that's, that's true. Even in my own civic work, if there's a thing, that's the nagging problem, it's it will. And it seems like it's the obstacle. Well, cause it's the, it's the very thing, the very, it's the boulder you got to keep hammering on until it finally shatters. Yeah. Uh, or you've got to think your way through it. There is no no way around it. You have to go through it. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think that's exactly what uh, Desmond Bain is is, is tapping into. Um, and sure. there's a reason why phrases like "whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger" endures is because people have had right. an experience of it. They they've right. suffered a loss that they feel like they can't come back from, but yet right. they do. Right. So. And then sports is a great metaphor, right? So, and, and and the Grizzlies, the ethos of the Grizzlies, it seems to be, it's interesting how uh, the the players that we select tend to give voice to uh, the aspirations and even the 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 feelings of uh, being, uh, you know, being setbacks and 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 facing them honestly seem right. to resonate through with the players that we that we have come play on the team. 100%. It is uncanny. Hundred percent, hundred percent. No, definitely. I mean, just to just to think a little bit more about what is what is working amid this adversity, right? For the Grizzlies, in terms of a basketball approach, I think the defense is something that we can point to to say, "Hey, there's you're you're serviceable in this area." So the Grizzlies are sort of middle of the pack defensively right now. They're not an elite defensive team, but again, a lot of their personnel is not available to them. So yeah. opponents' field goals made, the Grizzlies are right in the middle of the pack. Um, opponent field goals attempted, right? So the number of shots that um, opponents are getting off, Grizzlies are a top 10 team. Um, opponent field goal percentage, the Grizzlies are right in the middle of the pack. Um, opponents three-pointers made, this has not historically been an area of strength for the Grizzlies. So, of course, the Grizzlies are struggling there. That's one area mm-hmm. the Grizzlies are going to have to continue mm-hmm. to button up. The Grizzlies are basically second to last in that statistic. Yeah, um, wow. The people continue to shoot really well against the uh, the Grizzlies from three. In terms of three-point percentage, again, the Grizzlies second to last in that category. So opponents are shooting 41% from three. And, we, and we've noticed that. We've seen that. It seems like, you know some role player is going to get hot right for the team that's playing against the Grizzlies Mm. because the Grizzlies just um, have continued to really uh, struggled with that. 
Um, and this is another interesting statistic, right, that points to some of the challenges the Grizzlies are facing. The Grizz, the opponent's offensive rebounding percentage, right? The Grizzlies, believe it or not, are actually a top five team with that. Mm. And I think that's due to Xavier Tillman being able to get in there um, and get on the boards. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I really think he's he's doing a pretty good job with that. Now, the defensive rebounding is a little bit of a different story. Memphis is bottom bottom third in that. So, again, there's there's not a lot of sample size to work with, but I think you can see some areas that continue to be perennial challenges for the Grizzlies, limiting three point shots. Being able to work the glass, this is something that obviously the Grizzlies had the benefit of Stephen Adams, but you're going to have to see guys who are stepping up. And I'm still in some positive territory here, Marv, because one thing I just want to shout out, I want to talk for just a second is about Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. Z- Zaire Williams is, to me, filling the role that needs to be filled um, in that starting unit. Now, can he be better? Yes. But Marv, he's averaging 7.5 rebounds and 11 points. That's totally mm-hmm. decent, right? Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. your fifth, basically your fourth best um, option, right on that on that starting unit. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Zaire Williams needs to improve his shooting percentages. He's only shooting thirty two percent from three and forty one percent from the field. Mm-hmm. But but still, I think I, I mean I'm feeling Marv pretty good about Zaire. Boy. Better than last. I mean, last year he just seemed lost. He doesn't seem lost anymore. He seems back to being himself. So it's really just a matter of like, like, like the Zaire Williams of last season, like just almost like didn't compute. I'm like, what happened to that guy? Right. Right. You know, now it's, it's like, oh, okay, no, there he is. He's back. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's just a matter of like optimizing his game. But I mean, I think, I feel like the energy and all that that I like about Zaire is back. It's just yeah. about reps. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, here's a couple of good things. He's he's shooting 53 percent from two, so his effective field goal percentage, his overall field goal percentage, is so low because he's shooting not very well from three. Now he's putting up five and a half threes per game, and he's canning 1.8 of them. So. I mean, it, it could be worse, right? Like if he, I think he needs to keep hoisting him and he needs to keep trying because the shot looks good and he's got length yeah. and he can rise yeah, up over yeah, guys yeah. on the perimeter. So I say, keep giving him reps. And I mean, when you look at some of the other options and this is where we're going to get into the negative territory, Marv. Okay. Jake LaRavia has been awful. Mm-hmm. He's been awful. He's shooting 20% from three, 31% from the field. And he is not going to cut it. That is not going to cut it. He was billed as a shooter coming out of college, right? That's what he could do. And I mean, even Ja has been like, he's a sniper, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's shooting two and a half threes per game. Mm -hmm. He's making less than one. His two point field goal percentage, a little bit better. It's at 50%, but he's only taking one and a half shots per game. Mm -hmm. He's only playing 13.3 minutes. But Marv, he's got to give you something. If he can't shoot the ball, then he needs to rebound the ball. 1.8 rebounds, not good enough. Mm-mm. He's not giving you an assist. He's not giving you a steal. He's not blocking anything. What is he doing for you? So Taking up space. He's just taking up space. So so there's there's one of your problems. Um, David Roddy. Now, I think David Roddy is a rotation player. I think David Roddy is an NBA caliber player. 
The good news about David Roddy Marv, he's shooting 40% from three on two and a half attempts per game. So he's basically canning a three every game. His two-point field goal percentage, 53%. That's good. His overall field, field goal percentage, his effective field goal percentage, 56%. That's solid. The other thing, he's getting you rebounds. 4.5 rebounds per game. The challenge is that you can't be overly reliant on David Roddy to be a scorer, right? I mean, he's he's playing 24 minutes a game. He's giving you eight points. I think David uh, David Roddy's going to be better this season than he was last year. Yeah, I think David Roddy is a good player, but you just don't have enough offensive firepower, which brings us to Luke Kennard. Yeah. Obviously, very unfortunate in the second game of the season. Um, took a shot. Was it an elbow to the head? Yeah, he took a shot to the face and um, bloodied his nose. Mm. And then he had to go into concussion protocols. So that okay. sucks. Yeah. Um, he basically only played um, in the New Orleans game, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. He must have gotten his nose bloodied in that game. So he's only played in that one game. So we haven't really been able to see what could be the holy grail for this team, which is Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, John Morant when he gets back, right? But let's put mm-hmm, Marcus Smart mm-hmm. out there, penetrating, Jaron Jackson Jr. So, I mean, tonight, he's going to play tonight. Good, so good, good, would, good. You would hope that Luke Kennard is going to give you a boost, right? Mm-hmm, because last mm-hmm. year for the Grizzlies, Kennard gave you 11.3 points, and he did that for you in 25 minutes per game. He mm-hmm. shot from three-point range 54%. League best, yeah. <laughs> right. So you hope that's going to give you a boost, right? And then the last piece, right, um, Santi Aldama. Santi showed mm-hmm. so much promise as a playmaker yeah. through FIBA play. Looked really good in preseason play. And Marvy hasn't logged a single minute for the Grizzlies, and that won't start tonight. He's ruled out for tonight as well. What's the problem? He's got a high ankle sprain is what they said. And I see. unfortunately, the high ankle sprain tends to be worse than a low ankle sprain. So now mm. Coach Jenkins is like, hey, he's day to day, nothing to worry about. Right. But um, but once we see Santi in action, I definitely think that's going to help Marv. So we're bringing yeah. Luke Kennard back tonight. Hopefully we get Santi Aldama back uh, shortly. We're bringing in Bismack Biombo. He'll be available, I think, for the game on Friday. I'm sure he's probably already in Memphis. Um, mm-hmm. probably not with mm-hmm. the team yet, but certainly he's got his bags packed. May have an apartment already. So Marv, we might see a pretty different team taking the floor for the Grizzlies, um, on Friday. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to that again, hopeful. Um, those, those reinforcements can't kind of can't get here soon enough. Yeah. Um, but we don't have to wait uh, long, you know, nope. um, nope. it's coming. And I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on the, on the mid game here. Pre job. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm, I'm really bullish. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And we're definitely going to break it all down right here on Memphis Hardwood. Um, Marv, the, the Grizzlies um, have got a little bit of a softer schedule coming up, but the, but the problem is it's going to be on the road. So they'll take on Utah tonight mm-hmm. in Utah, hard place to win. And then Portland, they'll play in um, back-to-back games first on Friday night, then on Sunday evening. Those are going to be late games. So for the central time zone, and especially for me here in the eastern time zone, that's going to be rough. 
Uh, then you'll take on Miami back home at FedEx Forum. Obviously, you have not won a game in FedEx Forum yet. And then the fifth game out from where we are now is against Utah, but back in the comfy confines of FedEx Forum. So, Marv, they're going to take mm-hmm. on four of their next five games are going to be against teams that are not expected to be good <laughs> and that, in fact, are not good right now. Uh, and that's going to be Portland twice and Utah twice. They'll take on Miami. Uh, Miami has struggled to start the season. They've only won one of their five games so far. So Marv, I mean, over the next five games, can the Grizzlies get back on track? Anything you, you know, you might predict in terms of, of what might happen for this team? Uh, I'd certainly like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, I think we can, I, I, I think if we'd done this well, which is not to say, obviously not zero wins, but again, they haven't been blowouts, and 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 I do think there's something in terms of just like wanting to get the monkey off your back of notching the first win. Uh, it's not. I, I don't think it's a matter of a, a lack of energy. Uh, no. no. And I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this next stretch can be really good. Um, but that said, we're adding a lot of new variables. Uh, so, I mean. Yeah, no, I think I think it can be good, uh, but sounds how like good, you're counseling know. more patience. I'm totally counseling more patience. You know me so well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would I would agree. I think if the Grizzlies can go three and two, that would be a smash success um, over the next five games. That would put the uh-huh. Grizzlies at three and six, which is still pretty underwater. But hey, at least you can get a few wins. I think it's probably more realistic they'll win two of the next five games. Um, and so, um, I think that they'll, I think they'll end up being two and seven. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a slog, uh, to get back to the point where John Morant can rejoin this team, but we will know a lot more starting on Friday, particularly once we get some more size on the court with Bismack Biombo, we'll get Luke Kennard shooting back tonight. And hopefully Marv, by the time Miami comes to town on next Wednesday, November 8th, Santi Aldama will be ready to suit up for the Grizzlies because we need his scoring punch. We need his length, sure do. We need his playmaking. We need pretty yep. much everything we can get right at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, for sure. For sure. All right, Marv. Well, we broke it down today. We are certainly going to be watching as this Grizzlies team heads to Utah tonight to take on the Utah Jazz at the Vivid Center Arena. Um, that game will start at 8 p.m. Central Time. Be sure to tune in. Watch these Grizzlies if you can stay up that late. It might be a struggle for me, but I'm going to try by God. All right, Marv. Thanks for joining <laughs> me, my friend. Many thanks. Go Grizzlies. Go Grizzlies, and thanks to everybody for tuning in today on Memphis Hardwood. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you in one week. Take care. Stay engaged. Keep these Grizzlies at the top of your mind. Keep pulling for them. We'll get through this together. See you next time.